Teachers, don't leave those kids alone. You got to keep teaching those kids. Hey, good morning. Welcome to Mornings with Ken. I'm so glad you stopped by. Get your coffee and your virtual donut and join me in conversation with teaching, education, the problem with our education system. That's the subject for today. So hang tight. I'll give you time to go run and get your coffee and get your virtual donut and come right back. Hey, we're going to look at education today, and we'll concentrate on the state of Ohio since that's where um, that's where I live, and that's what I know a little bit more about. Because um, if you hear some uh, noise outside, birds chirping or cars going by, that's because it's such a nice day out. I wanted to do uh, my show outside, so you'll have to excuse any uh, loud noises that you hear. But um, education, you hear it on the news, uh, you read it online, in the papers, if anybody reads the newspapers anymore. But everybody complains about education, the kids aren't getting educated, there's no money for education, the teachers don't do a good job, and there's all these kind of excuses as why these kids don't seem to be getting educated. It seems they're just passed from one grade to the next the next grade. So I thought we'd take a well first of all since we're going to talk about the state of Ohio, let's begin um, talking about their budget. So the state of Ohio has a twenty four billion dollar budget. Twenty four billion dollar budget on education. And from that 24 billion, 42% of it is provided by local funding, 7% is provided by federal funding, funding, and 43 by the state and 8% other. I'm not sure what the other represents. Maybe uh contribution donations, I'm not sure. But once again, 42% locally, 7% federal, 43 by the state. 8% other um, all make up the 44 sorry 24 billion dollar budget which if you do the math uh, we have 1.7 million students enrolled in Ohio schools 1.7 million students total in Ohio that roughly adds up to about $15,000 per student per year so each student um, cost the state $15,000 a year to educate. Doesn't seem right, but that's 
Um, I'm getting all this information from OhioEducation.org, OhioEducation.org. Um, that's where this information is coming from, so I'm not just making it up as I go along. And the average class size is about 30 students. You can't really get a clear answer um, from their website, and I looked up other websites, but it seems like everyone's saying about 25 to 30 kids per classroom. Now, they do have one called the blended classroom, and I read where one teacher can't teach over 125 students per classroom. One teacher cannot go over 125 students in their classroom, which it sounds weird. I don't understand. Don't understand blended learning and why there would be 125 kids in a classroom. But you can't have 126. 125 seems like outrageous. But I don't know what blending classrooms are, so we won't worry about that. So we have $24 billion to spend. So that, that's the money side of it. Now, 60% of that $24 billion goes for salaries. 60% of the $24 billion goes for salaries. The next biggest category is operations cost. And that's 19% of that budget. And then you have administration cost. And there's a couple small categories, you know, like 8%. Um, so nothing really to speak of. So I'll just speak to the 60% on salaries and 19% on operations expense. I think administration was 13%. So there you have that. So what what are the people saying? And this information I'm, I'm going to give you right now is coming from the advocate.org, the advocate.org. And we're just going to look at the top six excuses or reasons students aren't getting the education they need or they are failing. There's, I think they listed over 20, but I'm going to look at the top six. School funding. Let's start at number six. School funding. School funding has always been a problem. In fact, the state of Ohio has ruled um, Ohio school funding um, illegal. The way we, the way we tax, the way we distribute the money, it's been deemed unconstitutional by the state of Ohio. Oh, gee, since what the late 80s I believe so the way the school raises the money and then distributes the money has been ruled unconstitutional by the state of Ohio uh, court so we're, we've been operating illegally for wow what 30 years crazy and I think what what it makes it illegal is the complaint that I hear is that wealthier communities um, tax property tax are going to be higher, of course, than in the poor community. So locally, uh, let's just say city A, which is wealthy, 
let's just use a number, has an extra million dollars for their school system. Just throwing out a number. Um, let's just say the inner city school B has homes that are worth a lot less. So when they're taxed, they have less tax dollars to fund their local schools. So that's been the issue with school funding in the state of Ohio. We tax our communities to raise money for the schools, but homes that are built in wealthy communities, of course, are gonna, they're going to get more tax dollars and the tax dollars are going to go to the school, whereas a poor school isn't going to raise that much uh, taxes by the homes and they're going to get less dollars. Now, I thought that the 7% federal um, contribution to the state budget is supposed to go to the poorer schools. So um, they get increased by 7% to make up the difference from what the more wealthier school districts um, can spend. So I don't think it still makes the difference, uh, closes the gap, but that's been the problem in school um, funding. Now the, I, well, I guess the only way to fix it is all local taxes and communities that go to schools get turned over to the, to the state and then the state distributes equally but equally how? Based on what? Numbers? Um, scores? Educational scores? I don't think that's the way to go. Because one, I don't think money fixes the educational problem. I personally believe if you gave every... Just go along with me, folks, for fun. If you gave every school a trillion dollars, every school in the state of Ohio a trillion dollars, the schools that would have low scores and the schools that were would have high scores are going to be the same. Are going to be the same. Money can't fix the problem. Now, later you might hear me say that money is, is going to help. But we'll get that to a little bit later. So let's look at number five. Tagging the smart kids. And Well, I wrote it. I'm reading my notes and I wrote it a certain way. So let me reread that the politically correct way. Tagging the more advanced students and your average students or less than, less than average students. Tagging and giving them a label like high achievers, there's many in the education fields think that's demeaning and it doesn't help the kids who are struggling to be, know, to, to be known that they are, I'm just going to use the word, quote, the dumb kids. And the kids that are in the um, high achieving classes know that they're the smart kids. Now, back when I was in school, I needed help reading. 
And I remember being scheduled for class. What did they call that? LRC? No, that was the library. But there was a class that I had to go to down in the basement of the school. And it was for dumb kids like me. I'm sorry that's not politically correct. But it was for the dumb kids like me who had trouble reading. So we were sent down to this classroom. And I, I can't think of the name of it, but today you would think it would have been offensive. Um, it, but it was the dumb class. You know, I'm sorry. Just Hey, it is what it is. It was the dumb class. So we, we went in there and we got extra help with reading. We had to read books. And then the teacher would teach us different words, how, how to read and and it, you know, it was for the kids who were falling behind. So anytime you seen a kid walking down the hallway towards the basement, you were like, oh, there's another dumb kid. Hey, at least I got company. I got company. I'm headed down to the basement with the dumb kid. And that's just the way it was. But today we're so overly sensitive that uh, we don't want to make anybody feel different because we're all the same and we all have the same abilities, right? I mean, isn't that what we're telling our kids? So they call it tagging. They want to get rid of tagging. No more tagging kids with labels. And I get it. You don't want... I get it. You know, today we got to be more sensitive. So they want to integrate that with keeping the students all in the same classroom and then have the teacher learn how to diversify, I'm not sure that's the proper word, but to diversify her talents to each student and whatever level they're at to work with them to bring the kids up to a higher standard and the kids who are overachieving, um, helping them to even achieve more. So, um, yeah, that's the teacher's job. Imagine that. 30 kids in a classroom. So that was number five. Number four, technology has its downside, um, according to the advocate.org. Number four, the technology has its downside. And in their comments below, they listed how, you know, everybody has a smartphone, computer, iPad. So kids don't really know how to read anymore. They're used to a quick, swipe of the thumb left or right <laughs> um looking things up on google and they're saying that you know cheating is so hard to crack down on because um if you know you're doing a history exam and you want to know when uh you know the civil war ended you can just get jump on google and type in when did the civil war end and there's your answer so it, it it's it's not helping them learn for themselves and it's also keeping them distracted even with the whiteboards it's keeping them distracted so they don't know how to read manually or they don't know how to read for themselves the computer can tell them everything they need to know so that's why they're saying technology is someone somewhat of a hindrance to the learning process, and I would agree with that.
And uh, now, number three, let's move on. Number three, over overcrowded, overcrowded. Now, this one, I'm not sure where I stand on. I stand at overcrowding in the classroom. Let's just go with the average 30 kids per classroom. That seems to be the number that I've checked out, different websites. It seems like what everybody's going with. 25 to 30 kids in a classroom. Personally, I think that's a lot. Especially if you have a classroom filled with high achievers and ones that, and ones that are struggling. To meet all their needs with 30 kids. And mind you, oh, well, I won't get into that because that's, that's a different issue. But overcrowding, when I was in school, and I'm sure anybody my age and older, you know that the teachers had about 30 kids in a classroom. But can I be honest? I think we were better kids. We were better kids. We were more respectful. Now, I I'm, I don't know if I can jump on the computer and bring you up stats that show we were better, better students, better behaved students. But I think if you... I think I'm pretty confident saying I think we were... And I think it goes goes back with parenting. Um, my opinion, parenting children is almost a thing of the past. I know you're going to hate me for this. But the parents push out the children out of their womb... They don't want the response. They hug them when they're babies, kiss them all over, love on, love on them when they're babies. When it's time to school, go to school, they're on their own. Throw the kid out the door, put them on the bus, hope the teachers can teach them all day long. When you come home, when they come home, you want nothing to do with them. You let them on the game, game stations and computers and on their phone they're not going over their homework so i'm gonna blame that on parents but overcrowding yeah i think they are now i honestly think they should be cut down in half to 15 students per classroom 15 students per classroom i think that's reasonable i think that's very reasonable because you're talking one-on-one attention needed for each student each student needs some attention. I think it would do well to cut the classes in half. Cut the classes in half. Allow the teacher to spend more time individually with each child. And I know that's going to run into a big problem. But maybe we can get back at that a little bit later. Well, speaking a little bit later, let's take a quick break real quick, and uh, we'll be right back. Today's weather, a high of 43 degrees, 
and a low of 23 degrees. Don't know much about history. Don't know much biology. Don't know much about a science book. Don't know much about the French I took. But I do know that I love Welcome back, guys, and we're going to finish up our discussion on the educational system failures. Um, and we're just looking at Ohio because that's the state that I live in. So just to recap real quick, the top six, I wouldn't say excuses, but reasons for the failing educational system in Ohio. Number six was school funding. Five was tagging students and labeling, labeling them smart or dumb kid. Number four, technology has its downside. It's too distractive. Number three, overcrowding in the schools 30 kids per classroom maybe we need to cut it down to 15 kids per classroom and now so now we're, we're picking up at number two school closings so according to the advocate.org school closings have hurt the educational system and i could kind of see with a community lose losing their local school in their neighborhood it, it gives them a sense of not belonging. Now their kids must go to a school in another district. They, they lost that community connection to their local school. And it, if you're combining schools, then you're making the schools uh, larger in larger classrooms. So losing your local school, I can see how that could be a disconnect. It's not close to your neighborhood. Parent-teacher conference meetings. Are, are Now it's going to mean you're going to get in your car. You're going to drive a little bit further um, at night when you're wanting to have dinner. And and to me, it's, it's just more of a mental thing. You feel like you lost control of your community. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong. Um, I'm saying that's what the advocate kind of uh, uh, says. And uh, I don't know that I disagree with that one. But a number one, the number one reason the school systems are failing is parents aren't involved. Parents aren't involved. And I think I spoke a little bit earlier um, on that, but just to uh, reiterate, parents, for one, I'm just going to say it, parents don't know how to be parents. Young parents giving birth is wreaking havoc on our community. For one, I personally believe in a 
nuclear family. I believe in a mom and a dad and, and their children. Imagine that. I know. Throw stones. You know, call me a crazy conservative. But imagine having both a mom and dad in the home raising their children instead of a single mom or a single dad or being raised by an aunt or uncle or the grandparents or in some cases great-grandparents. But to be honest, folks, parenting doesn't look like it did in the 1950s. It doesn't even look like it like it was in the 80s when still you know a majority of the homes had both a mom and dad in the home and you could say oh it doesn't really matter it's not important as long as they're loved no i i'm not buying that because the decay of the family the nuclear family and i'll give credit to james dobson uh, for for saying that back in the 80s is the do- downfall of our educational system and our community kids need parents to teach them right and wrong and to give them discipline and to teach them how to do their homework now we can go into the different reasons why there's only one parent in the home or if there are two one of them's on drugs one of them's not involved and can I just be straight up honest? And I, again, I'm sorry if, if you're going to throw stones at me, but hey, when hmm, this is going to be tough. But when mom's out selling her stuff out, selling herself out on the street, or dad's out uh, running around looking for some crack, the kids are at home trying to make, uh, you know, macaroni and cheese. For their younger siblings. So you got the kids raising the kids. Because mom and dad aren't at home. And if you're going to say. Oh Ken that's so mean. And that's so arrogant. That's so white of you. Or black. it White or black it doesn't matter. The inner city. Homes. Are decayed. They're decayed. There is no parenting going on in these homes and lack of parenting reveals itself when they're at school because the kids don't know how to behave they have no respect for authority their mom and dad usually aren't home there's no one to tell them what to do and this goes right into the school system and teachers aren't allowed to discipline kids anymore. I don't know if you guys know that. Physically, you're not allowed to touch a kid. I'm not talking about a spanking. I'm talking about telling little Johnny he needs to sit down in his chair. And when he tells you no, you can't grab him by the arm and force him to sit down. There's no physical contact between teachers and children anymore. So I'm glad the advocate.org recognize the number one reason as parents aren't involved. I think they're, if you read the article, I think they're being a little bit soft. But guys, I don't know. It's just my personality. I just say it 
as it is. And I don't try to sugarcoat it. I know there's nicer words I could use. Like the defunctionality of parenting or homes or or the in the inequity of different communities. But inequity doesn't mean you have to be a bad parent. Inequality doesn't mean you have to be a bad parent. And this can go the other way too. Um, wealthy people, if they're too involved in their careers and they're coming home late at night because they're working on the latest deal, business deal, and there's no one there to go over Johnny's homework with them, guess what? Johnny's going to fall behind the other students because mom and dad are too busy to uh, help him with his homework. Teachers aren't miracle workers. Teachers are assisting you in educating your kids. Remember that. Teachers are assisting you in educating your kid. You are responsible for your children. You are. Teachers are there to help you teach your children, but not raise them. Not raise them. And I think we have it backwards. I think we've had it backwards um, way too long. Um, let me see if I can find something here real quick. I'm, I'm, I pulled up the fourth grade standards for state of Ohio. I'm not sure if they call them benchmarks now or standards. I can't keep track of the latest terms. I think they're using the word standards now. I thought they were benchmarks. Fourth grade standards uh, for educate. This is from education.ohio.gov. Fourth grade standards. So let's see what they're studying. Computer science. Okay. Well, I mean, they have smartphones and probably laptops. And they probably know how to use them more than the teachers. So let's consider throwing that one out. Teachers only have six hours a day, folks. Six hours a day. Um, I would consider throwing computer science out. English language arts, if they mean teaching English, learning how to read and write, very important. Good job. Financial literacy. And I thought that was teaching like the very basics about how to spend money. But it's, I think, it, you know what? I think that is what it is. Yes, I'm sorry, that is. It's teaching the basic use of money. Yeah, you got to leave that on there. Here's a couple things I would remove. Fine arts dance, fine arts drama, and fine arts music, and fine arts visual arts. Remember, this is for fourth grade. Now, I know what you're going to say, especially music. I'm a music, if you know me, I'm a music lover. But you have six hours a day. I think we need to remove those. I think we need to remove those. Maybe until we can see the, the scores go up. But for right now, if it was up to me, I would remove, I would remove dance Drama, music, and visual arts.
Next. Mathematics. Definitely. You got to keep math in there. I know everybody's got a smartphone that has a calculator, or you can even ask, you know, one of those, uh, you know, Alexa or whatever, or the other person. I can't say her name because then my phone will go off. Um, but the kids still need to do how to math, and they need to go back to the traditional ways of teaching math. It was a lot simpler than this confounded way of teaching math now, which is utterly ridiculous, and they don't even care if the kids get the right answer anymore. It's it's all about trying. No, 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 no. Get rid of it. Physical education. We probably should keep it because the kids play video games at home all the time. But I'm throwing it out for now. Throwing it out. Science. Definitely keep science. Technology. Mm, mm, no, throw it out. Uh, lastly, world language and, and cultures. Now, I don't mind... I notice we don't have anything with history unless they're considering world language and cultures history. I would throw that out. Put regular history back in there. Uh, th this is... We don't have time when our kids are failing. We don't have time for this. So we're not, we're not doing that one. So, But I think the most important thing is getting these, these parents involved. Parents have to start becoming parents again. That's where it's going to start, and that's what's going to change the education system in Ohio and then later America. So thanks for stopping by, guys. I really appreciate it. You guys have a wonderful day.